Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We got some good fights lined up this weekend and the next weekend, and we're off of two fight nights. Well, one pay-per-view and one fight night that was really good, so I'll cover those. Talk about this week's fights, weekend's fights with Chan Sung Jun, also known as the Korean Zombie, against Brian T. City Ortega. And then we got some news about Dustin Poirier possibly fighting Conor McGregor, uh, Leon Edwards pulling out of fights, we got nobody wanting to fight Hazma Chimaev, and the apparent ultimate fighter uh, coaching with Conor and Habib kind of out of the water. So let's get started. All right. First thing to cover is UFC 253. So that was the pay-per-view with Israel and Paulo Costa and Jan Blachowicz and Dominic Reyes. So with these fights, uh, I can I guess I can just start with Jan Blachowicz and Dominic Reyes. Uh, looking at the fight, I was thinking Dominic was the better uh, overall fighter, more athletic, faster. But and and I also thought that Jan Blachowicz is known for fucking up in fights and making mistakes. Like, he'll fight good the first two rounds and then just rush his opponent and get knocked out. So I thought something like that would happen to him. But uh, I was very wrong. Those I didn't know Jan could throw body shots like that, body kicks. So that was a big part of the fight. I think that winded Dominic a lot. And it seemed like Dominic was a little slow to start. And he couldn't really get anything on Jan. Jan seemed very prepared. Uh, he won every single striking exchange, especially the last one, which knocked out Dominic. Uh, broke broke Dominic's nose, left a big red mark on his ribs. Controlled most of the fight. Uh, he won the first round, and then knocked him out in the late second round. And I think the reason he knocked him out was partially because Dominic just kind of went for broke because he saw the fight w- fight wasn't going his way. So he just went for broke, tried to get him against the cage and land some shots, but... Jan uh, came back with some good shots. I think he hit him behind the ear and hit his no- broke his nose in the process, cut him up, and Dominic just didn't really have any answers for Jan. Uh, looking back at this fight, I guess it makes sense. You know, Jan is more of an experienced striker, and Dominic didn't really try to take him down, so it makes it makes sense in a way. But the way that Dominic showed up against John Jones, I just thought he would be a little more aggressive and have better cardio and be able to get on Jan more, possibly even trying to take him down. But Jan just seemed to have every single answer in the book. Uh, it really does tell you tell you that experience matters a lot in these title fights. Even though Jan's never fought in a title fight before, he's fought like 30 times in, in uh, MMA, so he definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, Jan's on a bit of a hot streak right now. Knocking out Dominic, he knocked out uh, Luke Rockhold, Corey Anderson. <laughs> so it's been a good uh, two years for Jan so far, and I think I think where the light heavyweight division is right now, it's going to be kind of like a trading of the belts. So you got guys like Rakic who can win the belt now, Jiri. Uh, if Dominic comes back better, he, he could probably win. You got... Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira is always in there. So I don't think there's a definite like champion like in Israel or like a <clears throat> like a John Jones that can have the belt for a while. I think you're gonna see in the next couple of years if it, if the division stays like this, if nobody comes up or one of these 
top prospects like Jiri or Rakic don't become great. I think you'll just see the belt kind of switching off guys every every now and then for the next couple of years if it stays like this. But you never know. There, there could always be someone like a Hazma Chmaev that just comes out of the woodworks and just starts knocking everybody out. But until then, I think it's going to be a trading of the belts because Jan, although he looked good, he's still an older guy and... He could definitely still lose to Thiago Santos or any of these top contenders. But it's going to be interesting to see because for so long it was like, who can beat John? Who can beat John? And now it's like a, not a fresh division, but you kind of get to see these new champions emerge, which is pretty cool for the division. Uh, for these two guys, uh, I said Jan should fight probably the winner of Teixeira and Thiago Santos. It makes the most sense. He lost to Santos by knockout when he was winning that fight before which was a contender match. And then Teixeira just beat up Anthony Smith, so if, if he can beat Thiago Santos, I'd give him another shot at the light heavyweight belt, which he hasn't gotten for a while. So that would be a good fight. I think that fight's happening in November. And then for Dominic Reyes, uh, he's kind of, he's one of the best light heavyweights in the world still, so you can't just give him a tune-up fight. I would just say give him either Jiri or Alexander Rakic these newer, younger guys, so he can uh, test his uh, skills against him, I would, against them, I would say. That's Those are fights that I would be interested in watching, since uh, if both guys could beat Dominic, that would uh, give them a good opportunity to fight for the belt. So that's the fight that I would line up. <clears throat> Alright, and then we got the main event, Israel versus Paulo Costa. So watching this fight, um, I don't really know what Paulo Costa's game plan was. He has a good coach that definitely did did not give him that game plan. Uh, it was really strange. He was just accepting leg leg shots from Israel. He was standing in the middle of the cage at kicking length, not really trying to get inside, not getting him up against the cage, trying to go for any takedowns or, or anything, to be honest. He didn't make the fight dirty at all. There were no real exchanges in the fight except for the exchange that knocked him out, which he got hit by a fucking kick to the head. Uh, I don't, I don't even, I don't know if Paulo landed one punch on Israel that I that I saw one clean shot, but he just fought very poorly. It just kind of shows me that Paulo Costa's a pretty dumb fighter. Not to be a dick, but he just, I don't know what the fuck his game plan was. Like, you should never stand in the middle of the cage if you have less reach and you're not a better striker than Israel Adesanya, which he definitely isn't. The way for him to win this fight was to be aggressive, cut off the cage, and kind of make it a dirty fight, and try to go for some takedowns possibly, because he was bragging that he was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt for some reason, and then he didn't try to take him down. But uh, he, I, I wasn't too surprised by the decision, because I kind of knew this coming in. I wasn't that hyped up on Paulo Costa. And the fight went, I thought Apollo would probably try to be more aggressive, but as soon as I saw that he wasn't being aggressive, I knew the fight was over. And it, w it finished as soon as I said it would, late second round t TKO. And, I mean, Israel fought a perfect fight. He kept distance control, control perfectly. Apollo Costa couldn't reach him. Um, he... Disguise kicks very well. He hit that left leg of uh, Paulo Costa, which 
slowed him down tremendously. And yeah, I mean, it's just a good showing for Israel Adesanya. It, it gets more eyes on him, so that's good. The pay-per-view buys were, I think, 700k, which is which is pretty good. Uh, and yeah, I think Israel is a solid fighter. I don't see anybody in the division right now that can beat him. The only person that I'd say could give him some issues, not beat him, but give him some issues, is probably Darren Till. Because of, uh, they're, they're similar fighters in some ways. <clears throat> uh, very, uh, Darren Till's a southpaw. He's got a good frame like Israel. Pretty, like, tall, not skinny, but, like, tall, tall, t as tall as Israel, I would say. Um, he's good at disguising punches. He's, he's just, he has good striking. It would, it would be a cool chess match to watch. And it'd be a pretty close fight, I think. I would still take Israel. But <clears throat> I think if anybody's going to beat him, it'd be Darren Till right now. But uh, that's not the fight that they're going to give him because Darren Till is off a loss. So, and it wouldn't be fair to Cannoneer and Whitaker who are fighting <clears throat> in a week and a half. So what I would do is I would probably uh, take the winner of Cannoneer and Whitaker and then have him fight Israel uh, in like February or March. Because I'm sure... He'll be ready by then because he didn't take any damage. So there's that fight. And the cool thing about Israel is he's very aware of who his next contenders are. And he called out Jared Cannonier. He's not going to call out Whitaker because he just beat him. But he's but if Whitaker wins, he's going to run it back with him. He's going to have to. And he's cool with that too. But he called out Jared Cannonier because he knows that if Cannonier wins his fight against Whitaker, he's going to be the next guy in line. So it's very cool to see that Israel's not fucking calling out fucking Brock Lesnar or any of these like crazy like GSP or like fucking Anderson Silva or any of these guys. He's actually calling out legitimate contenders. I mean, he does have his beef with John Jones, but that's going to happen in a couple of years, so I wouldn't worry about that too much. So that's who he is going to fight. And then Paulo Costa, uh, this sets him back pretty pretty much. I think the UFC kind of realized that he's not always cracked up to be. Um, I'd probably give him someone like Kelvin Gastelum, uh, both strikers. That'd be a good fight for Paulo to bounce back from if he can beat Kelvin. That's a solid fight to win. And uh, Kelvin has lost like two, three in a row. Three in a row, I think. So this is a must win for Kelvin. I think it's a must win for both guys to earn their respect back. And it would definitely be a dogfight that I would watch uh, in a heartbeat. So I would definitely schedule that fight immediately. Alright, so there's that card. That was a good card. I enjoyed that one. Good knockouts. Oh, this guy named Brandon Royvelle. I should talk about him too. In the flyweight division, there's no real like exciting guys right now. Well, I guess Davison figured it out, but he's a champ. Like I'm talking about contenders that are exciting that, you, that people know about. Keep your eye on Brennan Royvel because he beat Kai Kara France in a spectacular way, and it was it was probably like the most exciting fight of the fight of the night. Uh, hit him. With, he got hit by Kara France, and it, it seemed like he was gonna get knocked out in the first round, but then. Out of nowhere, he just came with a spinning back fist, 
knocked Kaikara France down. Uh, when he knocked him down, he was going for submissions. He's always an active fighter. He's kind of reminds me of like a Charles Oliveira. If he's on the feet, he's going for knockouts. Uh, if he's on the ground, he's going for submissions. He's going for neck attacks. And he got him with a standing guillotine when Kaikara France tried to lift him up. He uh, got him a guillotine. So this guy is a good striker and a good grappler. Uh, if he fights one more guy and has a spectacular win like that, I would easily give him a fight against Figueredo or whoever the champ is at the time, but it's probably going to be Figueredo. So that's kind of cool for the flyweight division that they got some new young blood that's actually wanting to put on fun fights for the fans. And he's definitely what the flyweight division needs. So I'm looking at him. And I'm excited to see how he does in his next couple fights. Alright, then we got Marlon Marais versus Corey Sanhagen. Uh, pretty average card, except for the main event. You had Edson Barboza, which was a pretty good fight. He beat Makwan Amir Khani. Solid win for him to get back in the win column. But the main event was the big highlight. Other than the one of the best knockouts in the fucking history, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that knockout after this main event. So with the Marlon Marais win, or the Marlon Marais and a Corey Sanhagen fight, the way I said this fight would go down, it would go down two ways. In the first two rounds, Marlon Marais would be the most uh, dangerous because... Marlon is one of the best first two round fighters in the world, or he sh or he was at least. Uh, there was a streak where he was knocking out knocking out guys in the first two rounds. Then he fought Henry Cejudo, tried to do the same thing in the first round, and they bit him in the ass. And to be honest, I think that fight kind of ruined his mental. And whenever I see, whenever I see such a vulnerability in a fighter. It's tough for me to pick Marlon Marais in any fights, to be honest. Just because if... I don't know. Marlon Marais, it's, he's very good in the first couple rounds. And he's very good athletically. And he has a lot of tools in his arsenal. And a lot of knockout power. But he throws with so much intention. And as soon as he gets tired, and guys start p beating him up, he just folds under the pressure and I don't it's it's a type of mental weakness so when I see that mental weakness it's tough for me to pick a guy like that over someone like Corey Sanhagen who seems like a pretty mentally strong kid and he has a good ta cardio tank and he has a good range so I'm thinking okay I'm gonna pick Corey Sanhagen just because he can stay on the outside um he's not gonna get into exchanges with Marlon Marais early on and he has a good good enough tank to take it five rounds. Because it is a five-round fight, not a three-round fight. And I, th I think coming off, coming off that loss against Aljo, he'll learn from his mistakes. He's still young. And I was right for most of, the most of that, but it, it did not go the distance. It went two rounds. And he got him with a spinning back kick. So he broke his orbital with, I think it was either a kick or a punch. I can't, I can't remember. But he broke his orbital bone, and he actually, Corey Sanhagen yelled, I broke his orbital. And you can t you could tell, you could just tell on Marlon's face he was done. And then 
what sealed it off is that spinning back kick behind his ear. Took Marlon down and just ended the fight right there. Uh, it was a it was a closer first round, I think. I'm pretty sure Corey still won, but it was close first round. Corey wasn't that afraid to get into the get into a boxing distance with Marlon, although I don't think that was a good idea. He still uh, is confident in his striking and his power, so it was interesting to see Corey fight that way. But he fought a very a very smart fight apart for, from that, and it's cool to see someone get embarrassed in a fight before, in his first loss, and bounce back. You know that could have ruined him. That could have been like, "Fuck, man, these guys are on another level than me. I can't, I can't do it." Some fighters may think like that, but Corey wants to be champ. He's still young, and he's beaten the best fighters in the world. He's beaten Asun Sal, and he's beaten Marlon Moraes. Like, kudos to you. I like Corey Sanhagen a lot. And for him, I would say so. There's two ways to go about his next fight. The simple one would be you wait for. Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan to fight, and uh, and then you you fight the winner of that. Is that's like that's a possibility? Because if Marlon won this fight, they're probably gonna give him a title shot. So there's that. But I'm looking at a guy that's off of his suspension in January, and that guy is named T.J. Dillashaw. I don't know if you remember him, but he got popped for EPOs two years ago, and he had a two-year suspension starting in January, so he's back this January from suspension, which is coming up real quick, so I would I would definitely rather see that fight, TJ Dillashaw against Corey Sanhagen in a fight card main event, and then that's who the number one contender is. I'd rather see that than uh, him fight Aljo again if Aljo wins. But uh, you never know. It's all about timing. Like, is T.D. Dillashaw going to be able to fight in January? Is he going to need a couple months for testing or some shit? I don't know how that works. When's Corey going to want to fight? Is he going to want to fight earlier? Aljo and Peter Young isn't even announced yet. So this is all going to be about timing. But... If it was up to me, I would rather see Corey Sanhagen fight TJ Dillashaw because that's much more of an interesting matchup to me. But we'll see how that all plays out. And then for Melon Marais, I don't really know who the fuck he's fighting next. He would fight next. Uh, <clears throat> I said before that I want to see Dominic Cruz fight Frankie Edgar, but if neither of those guys are ready to fight, uh, Marlon can fight either of them. Uh, Marlon versus Pedro Munoz would be a cool fight too. Both have similar styles, but Pedro has a better cardio. So, but Marlon has better power. So, interesting to see that fight. Two Brazilians that just like to headhunt. So, so there's there's still some things for Marlon Moraes to. F there's still some more guys for Marlon to fight. But his biggest question is, can he just get over that hump of losing at Henry Cejudo? Is his mental good enough? And can he get a better gas tank? We'll see. So there's that, and then this upcoming weekend, you got an all-right card, but it's dominated by the great title contender, featherweight title contender fight between Chan Sung Jung, the Korean Zombie, against Brian T. City Ortega. So I'll kind of break down this fight, and 
Dana Wade announced that whoever wins this fight is the next in line to fight Alexander Volkanovsky, which I think is the appropriate choice because Ortega, his last fight was for the belt, and Korean Zombie's been on a streak of knocking dudes out. So I think he, he deserves it as, as well. And let's see here. Let's see what I said for uh, Korean Zombie. Alright, so Korean Zombie, obviously the best thing for him in this fight would be to keep it standing. I think Korean Zombie probably has the best boxing in the division. Uh, Calvin Cater's up there too, but I think Korean Zombie has cleaner, cleaner strikes, and he disguises his strikes very well, especially his uppercuts. Um, so I would keep the fight standing. I don't know how good, of his, how good his kicks are, but I would just keep it at a boxing distance. But not close enough to where Ortega can clinch you and get some neck attacks open. Because although Chan Sung Jung is a good grappler, Brian Ortega is definitely the better in that uh, disciplinary discipline. So for Korean Zombie, I would... I'm going to call him Korean Zombie and Chan Sung Jung. It's interchangeable. So for Zombie, I would say keep it at boxing distance. Keep the fight standing. Uh, I wouldn't throw all of your power at Brian because Brian's tough to get out. And if you get tired, there's a possibility Brian could take you down and choke you out. So I would I would fight a smart fight in the first couple rounds. But if you if you see Brian start to wilt, you could definitely go after him in those third and fourth rounds to try to knock him out because. Korean Zombie does have the power to do that. But I wouldn't do anything dumb. I wouldn't entertain the grappling against Brian. That's the biggest mistake you can make. I would, As soon as Brian gets a hold of you, you got to get away. Because Brian's very good at gr grabbing those Darce chokes and those neck attacks and, those, and jumping on those guillotines from the standing positions to submit guys. And as soon as he gets a hold of your neck, you're probably done. So you got to get away from that. You can't let him take you down. So for Korean Zombie, just keep it, keep the fight standing. His boxing is way better than Brian Ortega's. Uh, so yeah, keep the fight standing. Boxing, uh, he has more power and more technical on the feet than Brian Ortega. As long as he can keep the fight standing, it should be an easy win. But for Brian, the only way that he can win this fight, in my opinion, is grappling. He would have to early on, or early on, try to take. Korean Zombie down, or try to get a submission on the feet and then take him down with the submission, as he's done before with like Darce chokes and guillotines. And, or he would wait till Korean Zombie gets tired, but I don't, I don't think Korean Zombie gets that tired to be honest, unless he's getting tired from beating your ass from th throwing a lot of strikes. But the biggest answer for, but the biggest question I have for Brian Ortega is. What did he do in these two years to make him a better fighter than he was against Max Holloway? Because when you those fights against Max Holloway, that fight against Ma the first fight against Max Holloway, um, <clears throat> it there's a possibility that that ruined his career in a way, because I was there live for that fight and it was four straight rounds of him getting his ass beat, him him not knowing how to, forgetting how to strike. Like he knocked out Brian, or uh, he knocked out Frank Edgar, and I think he started sipping his own Kool-Aid a little bit, and he started thinking that striking was his forte. But 
he just he tried to stand up with Max and he just got pieced up. I think Max landed the most significant shots in UFC history in like a title fight. And it definitely showed on Brian Ortega's face. He got fucked up that fight. He couldn't get him down. He tried to take Max down. Couldn't do it. So, I love Brian. And I hope that he did a lot of work in those two years on his striking. But, the only way that I could see him winning this fight. And, the the thing is, so we found out that fight that Brian is not a good striker, not a top-level striker. And now his first fight back is against the best striker in the featherweight division. <laughs> so it's like, fuck, man, you don't get a break, you know. But most of these guys are good strikers in the featherweight division, so if you can't beat Korean Zombie, it's going to be tougher to beat any of these top fighters. Because it's going to be the same story against Kelvin Cater, fucking Yair. So this is a big fight for Brian. This is a big fight for him to get a, get his respect back because a lot of people forgot about him. He was like the, one of the biggest fighters in the UFC uh, before he fought Max because people were on his hype train. He was submitting everybody. It was it was really cool to watch. I was on his hype train, so I'm hoping that he can get in there. He can get Korean Zombie to the ground and get some neck attacks on him and possibly submit him. But if I'm looking at this fight from a non-biased perspective, if I had to bet, gun to my head, I would say Korean Zombie would knock him out in the third or fourth round. I think the striking is going to be too much for Brian. Korean Zombie is not known as an easy guy to take down, and he's a good grappler in his own right. So I would I would take Korean Zombie. I think this is a tough matchup for Brian. But honestly, I'll be rooting for Brian because. I don't know, I was a big fan of him when he was rising, so we'll see. But I got Korean Zombie. If you had to bet on the fight, I think Korean Zombie's a slight uh, favorite, so I'd bet on Korean Zombie. So there's that. And now we'll get into some popular news that's going on in the MMA world. Alright, what's first? Connor versus Habib, the ultimate fighter, not happening. So, Dana White has been talking about the Ultimate Fighter coming back on ESPN Plus lately. And everybody was thinking, who's going to be the coaches? Is it going to be Aljo versus uh, Peter Jan? Is it going to be Francis and Stipe? Who's it going to be? And Dana White said that he wanted it to be Khabib and Connor so he could set that second fight up. And he said the reason that Habib didn't want to do it is because he saw... Connor reveal Dana White's DMs that he sent him. And that's why he didn't want to do it. But that's that's definitely not the reason. Why why would Habib give a shit about Connor releasing Dana White's DMs? Like that that I don't know why Dana White said that cuz that's definitely not true. Maybe that's to make Connor look bad or something. I don't know. But that was a little weird. Uh, Habib said in an interview that he wouldn't do it for $5 billion, and I get it. Habib's not really about that drama bullshit, and I don't think he'd want to go to Las Vegas for a couple of months and train some dudes and just have Conor talk shit and get attention, especially when Conor hasn't really done anything to deserve a second shot against Habib. I mean, he beat Cowboy, but there's better contenders with a more deserving chance to fight than uh, Conor. 
So that was a little weird. I, I, when I heard about that, I'm like, I don't think Khabib would ever take that. So that's not going to happen. And then a big thing that I wanted to talk about on this podcast was that I love Leon Edwards, but for some reason he thinks he's God and he doesn't have to take fights. I just... This is what I don't understand. I don't understand how Leon Edwards with 80k Instagram followers, nobody fucking knows him. And his last two wins were RDA and Gunnar Nelson. And the last time he fought was RDA a year and a half ago. I just don't understand how you think you can pick fights and decline fights against... Wonder Boy. So he's the third ranked fighter. But honestly, fuck rankings. Rankings don't mean shit to me. So, listen to this. A year and a half ago, Leon Edwards was the 11th ranked welterweight in the world. And he fought RDA, who was the third ranked uh, uh, fucking welterweight in the world. And he beat him by decision fair. Dominating decision. But... Beating RDA does not mean you get to pick and choose your fights. Wonderboy has fought way better fighters than Leon Edwards. So, just because Wonderboy's number five, you're not going to fight him? Like, bro, Usman's fighting Burns. Jorge's fighting Colby. Who else are you going to fight? The next guy in line is Wonderboy. That would be an awesome fight. I would love to watch that. But for Leon Edwards to think that people are buying pay-per-views to watch him fight... Is fucking insane. I would like to see his numbers on his fight nights. It's probably pretty low. I love Leon Edwards. I think he could be a champion. But this is a bad look for him if he's countlessly just backing out of fights. Like it doesn't make sense because he's he's backing out of fights, but then he's saying that nobody wants to fight him. Like why would Gilbert Burns fight Leon Edwards when he can when he can fight for the belt? Why would Jorge Masvidal fight Leon Edwards when he, can, when he can fight Colby Covington, who's a bigger box office draw? Like, you have 80k Instagram followers, and Instagram isn't everything in the world, but it does, it's a good image, it's a good representation of your marketability in the UFC. And you're not that marketable, bro. Like, I, I don't understand why he's not fighting Wonderboy, beating Wonderboy, and then uh, waiting t- to fucking fight uh, Gilbert Burns or Jorge Masvidal beat them and then fight for the championship. Like, that could be way easier. You look at these guys, like, uh, that stay active, like Conor McGregor when he was in the uprising, he wasn't, when he beat Dennis Seaver, he wasn't like, nah, I need to fight Jose Aldo right now. Uh, they gave him that fight, but he wasn't, after he beat Justin Poirier, he wasn't begging for title fights. He understands there's a process you have to go through. And even he jumped through some hoops, but there's been countless guys that, like, you have to earn your keep. Just because you beat Gunnar Nelson in RDA does not mean you can start saying no to Wonderboy or any of these guys. You don't, you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve a title shot. Are you fucking kidding me? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's annoying because I want to be a fan of Leon Edwards, but this is just showing a side of him that I do not like at all. So, I don't know. I hope he gets his shit together and he agrees to that fight because it's the only fight that he can take right now. And it's a good fight. Have that fight in November or December. I will watch that in a heartbeat. Awesome fight. And it's a good fight to test him to see if he's really about it. 
So yeah, that's been annoying me, and I just kind of wanted to get that off my chest. And then we got, okay, no one wanted to fight Hazmat Shmaev. Uh, it's weird, Hazmat Shmaev is not fighting every week, and he's one. Of, he's you know what's cool about Hazmat Shmaev? I want to see him fight so bad, but he fought. He literally fought like three weeks ago, and I'm like, I need to see this guy fight like next week. How uh, how cool is that? Like he's one of my favorite fighters right now, and he's not like a Sean O'Malley or like a fucking Edmund Shabazian, like one of these hyped up guys that is gonna get fucked up. Uh, he could definitely lose, but the way I'm watching him fight, man, it would be a travesty if this guy's not a world champion someday. So I really want to see him fight. I don't think that he should get the Wonder Boy fight, which is what they tried to do, because. For Wonderboy, that doesn't really make sense. Wonderboy's paid his dues. He's the number five ranked guy. Although rankings don't matter, he's paid his dues. He just beat Vincent, Vicente Luque. He should get someone like Leon Edwards. I'd give Hazma Chmaev probably someone like Vicente Luque, who I think he wa who I think Vicente wants to fight him. That'd be an interesting matchup because Vicente has a good chin, has good striking, and good grappling. So I think that's the next good step from because once you start fighting those top five guys, you're kind of in that hole, and I kind of want to see the rise of someone again, you know, I don't want to see him just get tossed to the wolves, even though I think he can handle it, I want to see him fight like Vicente Luque, and then maybe fight a, t a top fucking five, seven guy, and then if he beats that guy, then I would, I'd honestly like to watch him f fight for the belts. Because I think he's a pretty, I think people are getting behind him, and I think people respect that he wants to fight every single week. And I hope that that mentality kind of is a catalyst for a lot of these fighters that are just kind kind of sitting pretty and not accepting a lot of fights. It gets them off their ass, and it tells them if you're not active, you're not going to get title shots. Because I'm not a huge fan, unless you're the champion, of fighting twice a year. So I hope this is a good reminder for people that you should be a little more active. Unless you have like a... Unless you got fucked up. Like a Roy McDonald, Robbie Lawler fight. Unless you got fucked up like that. Then take your take your time off. But uh, yeah. there's That's something I wanted to talk about too. Because I like Hazmat Shmav a lot. I hope he gets a fight lined up. And then finally... I'm going to talk about... Uh, Dustin and Connor Possibly happening in 2020. This is a weird one. I don't know why this fight is so hard to make, and I don't know why the UFC wants to make it in January. This would f be a perfect uh, shoe-in for the November or December card. I don't know when Colby and Jorge is going to happen, but that fight's not lined up either. And the November and December cards are pretty much non-existent for the UFC. I mean, do you really want to watch Davidson Figueredo and Alex Perez, and then under that it's Valentina Shevchenko and Jennifer Maya? Like that's a terrible pay-per-view. I would not I would not buy that ever. But if you throw in Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor on that fight and put him put him at the main event, who gives a shit if those two are uh, title fights? I would I would fucking I would do that. Um and then I would buy it. I would definitely buy that fight. And the December card got scrapped. The fucking fight between Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman. So since that fight's not happening, 
that's a perfect uh, replacement for that fight. And that would be fun to watch on December. But I just don't understand why they want it in January. Do they have some plans for November and December that I don't know about? Is Aljo going to fight on that card? Is, uh, is Colby going to fight Jorge? Like, I don't, I don't know. But Connor's made it apparent that he wants to fight in 2020. And Dustin made it apparent that he can fight in November or December. It doesn't matter to him. So if both guys are about it, I just... I understand money is always going to be a problem, but... It seems like Connor just wants to get a fight off. Uh, I don't know, obviously, the internal details. And I don't know the business side of it. I don't know how much they want. But their cards are going to definitely be diminished if Connor and Dustin are not fighting on those November or December cards. Especially after he came back from a great pay-per-view like Habib and Justin, who, what's gonna, who's going to generate at least a million pay-per-view buys. And then the next month you're going to have Davison Figueredo and Alex Perez, which is going to generate seven pay-per-view buys. <laughs> like, nobody's watching that shit, bro, to be honest. So you got to have a good main event for that. Like, a legit main event. Because you got Cody Garbrandt can't fight. So put in Dustin and Connor. They both want to fight. Put it on the November card. Or the December card. Whatever. But that's just something I wanted to talk about. And I think I covered most of what I wanted to talk about. I would watch the fight next this weekend. It's going to be a s solid main event. And then, oh shit, I almost forgot. There's a boxing fight this weekend. Uh, if you guys don't know his name, look him up. His name is Vasily Lomachenko. He's one of the best. Am he's one. He's the best amateur boxer ever. He had a record of 396 wins and one loss. And the one loss he beat the guy two times after. And his record in the in boxing is like 12 and one or something. He lost his second pro fight to a super experienced veteran boxer in a close fight. But he's been he's been beating some crazy good fighters like Guillermo Rigondeaux, Gary Russell Jr., um, a bunch of other guys that I don't know their names. But watching this guy fight is super entertaining. For some sometimes MMA fans can say that boxing is boring, but this fight is definitely not going to be boring. It's Vasily Lomachenko fighting Teofimo Cruz. Uh, Teofimo Cruz hasn't really fought anybody, but he's a young, athletic, slick boxer, so I'm interested to see that fight. I've been waiting for a while to see a good boxing fight. The last good one was Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, and that was kind of a domination, so that wasn't super fun to watch for me, but this weekend, uh, I don't know, I think it's on ESPN actually, so it's going to be on, so that's going to be on ESPN, and then the UFC card is going to be on ESPN Plus. So if there's a way that you can watch the Vasily Lomachenko fight and then watch the Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega, I would definitely do both. That's going to be an exciting night of fights, and I cannot wait. I'm honestly, I'm more excited for the Korean Zombie one, but I got to watch Lomachenko because the way he fights, it's super entertaining, and he's always a very active fighter, and I'm interested to see if this Teofimo uh, Lopez guy can beat uh, Vasily Lomachenko. So, there's that. Those are great fights this sa this Saturday. And then next Saturday, you obviously got Habib and Justin Gaethje, which I will do the analysis for. So, stay tuned and uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy the fights. Peace.